Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesday night is here and the wise guys are here. And here we are. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler's right there. I'm over here. We'll snap our fingers and you'll appear <laughs> as soon as DJ gets that camera going. There you are. There we go. I'm representing the Red Sox today. You are, by the way, representing the Jets because Zach played well and the Jets had a big victory, right? Yeah, I thought I'd put the Jet shirt back on. He beat the Eagles. And, um, you know, no one wants to give him credit for anything. Uh, we give him credit. And you know what? Anyone should get credit for beating the Eagles. That's right. No one else has. That Eagles defense is something. And the Jets were patient. Zach didn't make a bunch of mistakes. So I think it's appropriate that you're flying the Jets. Uh, you, um, I'm flying the colors. Today you're flying the Jets colors. I That's wish that I got a full green shirt with a white football, but I got the white shirt with the green football. And I'm a New York kid. Grew up a Giants fan. And a Yankees and Mets fan, and I'm wearing a Red Sox shirt. Yeah, yeah I'm all kinds I, be, of confused. Be, well, no, because I've been to Fenway a couple of times. Just recently, our daughter ran in the Boston Marathon. I don't Marathon. know if that makes it right. Well, you go to Fenway, and you fall in love with that place really fast. Yeah. It's it's an amazing place. It, it just, you go in there, and it just reeks of history in baseball. And all of a sudden, you have to like the Red Sox. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize yep, to all, all my different. New York friends. I apologize, but... I'm kind of in love with Fenway Park. <laughs> we'll get our live stream up uh, here momentarily. Uh, welcome to the Wise Guys, the number one BYU sports live stream talk show in the entire world. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. Follow us on YouTube. We'll put the link in the chat if we get the chat up. And uh, hit the subscribe button. It's free. We're also live on Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. There's the chat. Now the chat is up. Neil's first one in from Tucson. Yeah. Always, I'm always looking to see who's the first one to get in. And Neil's the first this week. Neil Jones from Tucson. So, yeah, chime in. Let us know where you're, where you're uh, hanging with us from. Um, and make sure you follow us on, on wiseguys.com. Subscribe to get your weekly email. I get my weekly email because I actually subscribe to Wise Guys. Yeah, me too. It has highlights from the show on that email. It's free. You can check out the library of interviews ranging from Danny Ainge to Marie Osmond to Mark Pope. I mean, you name it. Tom Homo, Sherry Dew, Jimmer Fredette, Mark Wilson, uh, Steve Young, Ty Detmer, Chase Roberts, Lauren Gustin. They're all waiting for you there at wiseguys.com. Do you have a favorite of, of that we've done in this first year and a half? There's been some really good ones. Uh, I loved when we had Steve Young and Vice. That and was on. fun. When those guys were just go. You and I were just innocent bystanders just listening to them go at it. That was fun. I, I enjoyed uh, Sherry Dew was here. She was awesome. That was great. And then, um, I don't know, Ty Detmer was good. Danny Ainge was good. Max Hall's always good. I'm just start we, going. We haven't had a bad or boring guest. <laughs> it's been phenomenal. We've been really, really fortunate. And we love the format. And what we're finding out is that the guests that we bring on also love this long format where we can really get to know them and, uh, and get into stories that they don't get to tell anyplace else. And so, you know, go, go through our library. And, you know, if there's, if there's one out there that you haven't seen, you're clicking through and you go, oh, I haven't seen the Mark Wilson one. Mark Wilson tells us a story on his uh, episode. I'm going to call it an episode that he asked us before he told, he says, hey, can I tell you guys something that I haven't? mentioned to anybody in 40 years yeah we're like yeah mark it's just us and he told the story 
<laughs> so if you want to know what the story that Mark broke out after 40 years, go back in the library and find that Mark Wilson interview and check it out. Let's see. Mike's in from Beaumont, Texas. Josh from Lehigh, Utah. We've got Q from West Jordan, Utah. Jeffrey from San Antonio, Texas. I served my mission in San Antonio, Texas many years ago. Uh, Dr. Ketch from Vegas. Good to have Vegas here. Trevor's from Denver. Jess is from Saratoga Springs. Amber's in from New York. Hey, Amber. Hope you had a good week. Yeah. How about Jess Carmel says, normally from Saratoga Springs, but went to watch the women's soccer team take down OU. Must be on the way home in Northwest Arkansas. Wow. And they did take down Oklahoma 2 to nothing. Yeah. How about that? Third and, straight shutout for the soccer team. And Amber from New York City. I apologize that I'm wearing a Fenway Park Yeah, shirt. he's got a lot of problems tonight. In New York, I got Gerald's issues. in from Fresno. Hey, Gerald, good to have you here. And uh, good to have the live stream hopping on a Tuesday after a big defeat. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, BYU Texas TV details. Mm -hmm. It just sounds good to say BYU Texas is a conference game. Thank you, and we'll Amber. we'll talk about that. Amber forgives me. Thank you, Amber. That was a quick forgive for a Yankee <laughs> fan, Amber. Uh, Brian McKenzie is going to be with us. Uh, great BYU running back from the past. He's also part of the present with Marcus McKenzie, his son, running special teams, and he's part of the future, too, because Dominic McKenzie is going to join the program as soon as he's finished with his mission. That's right. You have twin boys on the team. If you have twin boys on the team, you get on Wise Guys. Two, two twin really fast boys on the team, too. Super so fast. It's going to be fun to, to have Brian in, in with us. And then BYU Hoops Big 12 Media Day is tomorrow in Kansas City. We'll touch on the preseason poll. And as you might expect, Billy's not really high in that no. poll. That's okay. No, it's right where we, yeah, right right where where we, where we thought we they thought. might be. But so. we've got a couple of broadcasts coming up later in the month, and, mm -hmm. and then we'll have the two seasons will converge. We're going to start on the 25th Sixth. or 26th yeah. with the blue and white game. Right. Blue, yeah. so. And then we'll, we'll be off to the races. We'll lay all that out for you. So. so the headlines, the new one this week is the start time for BYU Texas in Austin on Saturday, October 28th. That's a week from this Saturday. They're going to play at 2.30 Texas time, 1.30 here in the West. 3.30 on the East Coast, ESPN or ABC. That's going to be decided after Saturday's game. So if Texas beats Houston and BYU, and BYU beats yeah, Texas it'll, it'll Tech, be on ABC. ABC, which will be a, the prime and afternoon I'm calling it right spot. now. BYU's going to beat Texas Tech, and Texas is also going to win. And so that let's game's plan on ABC. on ABC. We'll just plan let's on Let's just it, do so. that. One weird thing we won't see on either ABC or ESPN is Ben Bywater. No, we won't. Ben uh, announced that he's going to have season-ending surgery on that injured shoulder. Uh, he did not rule out the chance of returning next season because, remember, he still has a year of eligibility left. And so there's a chance he could return, but also said he would take a look at the NFL. I think... A lot of it will have to do with how fast he rehabs, um, if he can get an invite to the combine, or if he can perform really well on pro day. Uh, there, you know, there, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and a lot of it will depend on how quickly that comes back and where he's projected and all that. It's and, a and shame because we need him. Yeah, Kalani does a great job um, of working with his players, especially if they're talking about going out after their junior year, of getting them a really good evaluation of where they stand. Yeah. And, and we have some guys that I know for a fact he sat down with and said, listen, I'm talking to scouts. And they're they're not project they're projecting you as a free agent and a long 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 shot. So if if you love football and want to continue to play, you probably ought to stay. If you just want to move on with life, then then go ahead. And they went and moved on with life. And guess what? They didn't make it. And then he had others. He said, "Hey, you know, I've talked to the scouts. You're a free agent, but they think you got a really really good shot. This is probably the time for you to go out." And they went out and they made it. 
and others that were projected as draft picks that he told were like it's just like he's very honest with them and he does not put the program first he puts the young men first when he has these conversations I think he does a great job he'll do that with Ben Bywater gonna miss Bywater um, he's a little older he went on a mission uh, fits into that older opposing coach as well he's an older right um, and uh, leading tackler uh, his first two years at BYU and on his way to another great season and then, then getting hurt. Uh, so he's getting he's getting up there in years. So if he if he decides I got one shot at the pros, I'm going to I'm going to roll the dice, then he'll be out. And if he decides I'm going to come back and get some more tape, then 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 he'll be here for year two of the Big right. 12. And, and it's so different than the decision was just a few years ago because of NIL. So if you're a borderline guy. And or, or let's say you're not even a borderline, let's say you're a long shot and spend your dream to play and you could benefit from more tape. It's, it's like, do I go and move on as a long shot and get cut and then I'm done playing football? Or do I come back with my NIL deal intact, make money as a college football player still, um, and that's a no-brainer, I'm going to make that regardless, um, get better on tape and maybe move my position up. The whole NIL thing is a much bigger consideration and a yeah. much more tempting reason to come back uh, than than things that, you know, a few years ago, it's like, well, I risk getting hurt, then I never have a chance to make money playing. Well, we these thought, kids are making money. Yeah, we thought Jaron Hall would come back because uh, he could, uh, and he had a nice NIL going. Puka Nakua had a nice NIL going, but, of course, they went into the draft. That's right. And, and got drafted, but late, you know. Right. And, so it was a gamble. It was a gamble for those guys, too. Richard from Panama. Is yeah, we always, we're always looking for when Richard checks in we from like Panama. We like getting out of the country. And, yep. and uh, BYU Sports Addict in from Farmington, Utah. Tanner Wall's out for the season. He got hurt. And then, yeah. hey, you know what? You don't, want, you don't want to be the safety on this football oh team. Oh, my goodness. Because yeah. your, your time is limited. Yeah, I remember, folks, and, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, BYU lost their both starting safeties before they even played a game. And then they've lost two more since then. Yeah, that's four. Yeah. You only have so many. Right, right. And and now they got some young guys out there. You know, uh, Slade has done He's, a nice Ethan job. Ethan Slade has done a phenomenal Ethan. job. Like, his grade every week has been really high. Damuni's um, he's doing, on. And Damuni, he's playing his way into, you know, recently returned from a mission. They think the world of Damuni, in a perfect world, Damuni would be redshirting... And they wouldn't even be thinking about playing him. And then they'd, they'd uh, you know, unveil him next season with a year under his belt. And he'd big, be a big-time contributor. But it's almost like they have to play him right now. Yeah. Um, they think he's, you know, he's the athleticism to be an all-Big 12 safety back there. And you know what? So is Micah Harper. He was a preseason all-Big 12 guy. Yeah. And he'll be back. And so is Talon Offrey. And he'll be back. And he'll be back before the others will be back. Right. Right? Maybe like, in a, Talon maybe should in be back weeks. for Texas is what I'm hearing now. Well, that would be so, good. Would yeah. Be, I'd like to have a... A cagey veteran back there. Yeah, a, a physical guy that's played a bunch of games that understands the calls, that's been in big situations, that's physical, uh, that, um, you know, it, like it's, he's going to have to get his game form back again. But he's got he's got a lot of games under his belt. Talon Offrey back would, would be a big boost for that secondary. Well, BYU and TCU, in a word, you folks on the stream, we're going to send you send us one word. Yeah, send us your one word description. To describe yeah, what that, we saw. That would be interesting. Forty four to eleven TCU. Just, no profanity, please. Yeah, on the stream. No profanity. Sorry, please. we have a glitch. I don't know if it's my computer. You getting a glitch over there too? Yeah, I'm getting a little glitch. We got a glitch, so put up with it. We'll try and get it fixed. Um, our top. Yeah, they're men, working on it. Our top men are working on Wait, it. Our, like top, from, our top man is Jack, and he's working on it. <laughs> 
It's like uh, and that DJ's, scene. And DJ's also our top man. They're, so remember they're that two scene top men. from Raiders of the Lost Ark? And uh, they get the Ark and, and Harrison Ford saying, you know, who's, what, where is it? And they go, our top men. Yeah. I got it. He's like, who here? Who? Top men. Top men have it. And then they were sticking it in the, some warehouse, but that's what I think of. Our see, top men are working We got on some this. pressure, though, because we're, we're uh, here comes some of the one-word uh, descriptions, but we're putting pressure because we just revealed that it's Jack and DJ are our top men, right? Yeah. And that that's that that's what on. we got. So, so, so Jeffrey Seaman says lethargic. Yeah. And uh, Mike just me says, Mike Z just me says uh, depressing. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Trevor Mitchell says fail. Okay. Jay says uninspired. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys keeping it clean. Those yeah. all describe yeah. how I think we all felt, right? Yeah. BYU drops to four and two, one and two in the league. TCU's at four and three, three uh, two and two in the conference. They came in having lost two games, and we thought, uh, having lost their quarterback as well, that there would be an opportunity. Um, but uh, yes, uh, Kellen, you're right. You told us last week that Hoover could sling it, and he yeah, slung and Kellen it. Didn't, Kellen had some experience with Hoover in high school, and uh, and, and mentioned this kid's just built to come in here and play well. And and you were right, Kellen. And, and here's the interesting thing: um, some of the staff at BYU have friends down there. After the game, um, some of the vibe coming out of TCU is that's kind of what we expected out of Hoover. Right. Um, and they were saying Morris, you know, they defaulted to Morris because he's the veteran and he's been around. I remember he got hurt last year and, uh, and Duggan took over and was phenomenal. But, but a lot of people behind the scenes down there, and we did not know this. We thought, hey, here comes a redshirt freshman quarterback, right? Best case scenario. A lot of folks behind the scenes down at TCU were going, Hoover should have been the guy in the first place. He fits his skill set, fits this offense better. Yeah. Morse runs around a little. This kid just stands in there and just throws BBs all over the yard. Like we, he was he was throwing strikes everywhere. And they look like the TCU of last year with him at the helm. Uh, receivers making plays, him throwing ball great all over the field. Looked so awesome. They looked he awesome. He looked really good. So uncompetitive. The, Amber says the players seem bored or something. They did um, seem to be a lack of energy. Yeah. For, Forrest Gump says, uh, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, hey, let's give some credit to Hoover. He played phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and those receivers played great. So so send us your one-word uh, words to describe. To share, to share with everybody. It was a tough game for Slovis. He had an interception on the opening drive for, for a touchdown. The running game couldn't get going. The third down conversions were 2 of 14. And, uh, and you're right, Hoover threw for 439 yards and four touchdowns. And TCU was 12 of 19 on third down. That kind of captures yeah. the whole experience. And we, we talked about this on AFR. If, if any of you just watched AFR before he came over to us here, um, one of the keys was BYU wasn't good on first down. And it's really hard to be good on third down when it's third and long all the time. Yeah. TCU was really good on first down in that game. They got production, it seemed like, on every first down. More production on second down. When they had third downs, most of their third downs were really manageable. And BYU's in third and long all the time. Too many negative plays in the early downs. Too many no yardage plays in the early downs. It seemed like they had a lot of throwaway downs early. And then you get in third and long. And you're not going to convert in third and long very often. Not if that's what the, you have a steady diet of that. Um, so you've got to be more productive on first and second. And, and I'm convinced at this point now, halfway through the season, they got to throw the football more on first down. Yeah. And um, throw it short. Yeah, yeah, just and get the quick passing game going. You know why Hoover was so good? They gave him a bunch of easy throws to start. Yeah. 
Catch the ball, get Can't it even out. Get Catch to the him. ball, get it out. It's easy to complete slants and hitches. And, and sometimes those balls only go for three or four yards. That's better than getting stuffed in the run game on first down. And it so sure is. I, I, I feel like BYU do some self-scouting. And uh, and this week against Texas Tech, I, I bet we see them throw more on first down. And I see we I think we see a lot more quick game early in the game to allow Keaton Sullivan to get a rhythm and not be standing back making complex reads down the field in the intermediate and intermediate and deep routes. Yeah, and it'll be dark by halftime. Yeah. And, and, that's, and, that's and then the vampires come out for BYU. <laughs> Nobody can beat BYU after dark at, at home. That's Robert, back with us from Ridgecrest, California. Keep them coming. Uh, BYU Texas Tech, it's a 5 o'clock local time start here in the mountains on FS1. It's just the second meeting. You know, we played a lot of schools. We've only played Texas Tech once, and that's that why was I, I, I couldn't believe that when I was that long ago, and that they've only played them once. How's that even possible? In Lubbock, it was twenty-one to twenty. So the air raid that was pre-air raid. Yeah, I didn't even think they were throwing the football in nineteen forty. I'm surprised that when our good friend Mike Leach was down there, that somehow they didn't figure out how to get together during no. that time. When no, he was we there. saw him when he was with Washington State. Yeah. In fact, his first game yes. at Washington State was here, and we had a chance to visit with him. Oh, down on was, the that was so fun. So fun. Yeah. Is it ever boring to visit with Mike Leach? We, we, we love no. visiting with him so much. Um, I, I had him at a game at Texas Tech back in the old days with in the old network. Um, he was just one of the great human beings to visit with when you're getting ready for a game. We'll he, spend some time talking about him yeah. on game day. Yep. Uh, ahead of the Texas Tech game. Absolutely. Those Red Raiders are three and four. They're two and two. Their wins, Tarleton State, Houston, and Baylor. Losses at Wyoming. Oregon, West Virginia, and Kansas State. I think the Wyoming loss is the blueprint. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech has better athletes. They're in a better conference. But on that day in Laramie, the Wyoming crowd was engaged, and the Cowboys outplayed them. That's how you beat them. Yeah, and Wyoming was, they were assignment sound. They were in all the gaps. They played with passion, um, and they shut them down. And and these Red Raiders, they're, they're an interesting um, group because when you think of Texas Tech, you think of Mike Leach. And you think of a guy that says, I don't even care if we run the ball. I don't even care. We're going to throw it 60 times with Patrick Mahomes or whoever we have. And, and we're just going to keep throwing it. And, and you're gonna, we're going to spread the field out and we're just going to throw it every down. And that was air raid, right? And that's kind of what, <clears throat> what Washington State does now. Yeah. You know, because, because of Mike Leach being there. TCU kind of did that last week. They threw the ball 58 times last week, right? That was air raid. With with Sonny Sonny Dykes, who's a, you know, has has ties to Air sure. Raid and Mike yeah. Leach. This is this is a run team disguised as an Air Raid team. We're looking at it today. They are a forty eight percent run team. So they spread you out, and they, they big gaps, and they take advantage of those big seams as they've got you spread out, and they run the football with Brooks. Um, who, who, by the way, is a really, really solid running back. Taj Brooks is averaging six yards a carry. He led this team rushing two years in a row. He's on his way to doing it a third year in a row. He's he, got 786. BYU as a team has 405. Dave, he's tracking toward 1,400 yards this season if he yeah. just keeps up his average. Mm. And and I think everybody thinks of Texas Tech as this just come out and sling it all over the place 65, 70 times. But, but they've run the ball almost exactly the same number of times that they've thrown the ball this season. And and there's a good chance they're going to be playing a true freshman at quarterback, their third-string quarterback. BYU didn't fare very well against a second-string quarterback So last we're going week. to shoot for a third string. So we're shooting for third. Yeah, it's got to get better. Um, and, and we don't <laughs> know this for sure. We haven't, but, but Morton went out of the game last week. Their backup quarterback, who 
has been playing the last several games because their starting quarterback to start the season broke his leg. Uh, their their fifth year senior broke his leg, yeah. and so Morton's been in there, and now Morton goes out with a throwing shoulder injury last week, and Strong comes in and finishes the game, and he ended up sixteen of twenty eight. The, the the problem was is down the stretch he threw three picks, yeah. had one hundred seventy three yards and a touchdown. This was against Kansas State in his de- in his debut, um, and the defense wasn't helping him out. They allowed Kansas State to rush for 272 yards and five touchdowns against them rushing. And so um, the formula seems to be run for touchdowns, uh, get you know get your hands up and make coverage tight so the young freshman has to try to force the ball in. Something, something's got to disrupt yeah. him. If and you so, can't so we'll sack see. him, you got to disrupt him. I'll be surprised if Morton lines up as a starter. I think it's going to be Jake Strong. Um, and I think BYU's defense is going to pounce. Yeah, I think BYU's defense is... You know, they made some errors. There were some catches that were just phenomenal catches by TCU's receivers last week. They made some great plays. And then they had so many wide-open catches. And then, and then as we went back and reviewed the film, we talked about some of this on AFR. You get really, really concerned if you go back and watch a film and you go, man, we just couldn't run with that guy. Or, oh, man, they knocked our D-line five yards off the ball and our linebackers couldn't even scrape. That's why they ran the ball. Those things really concern you because, like, oh, you just don't, ma- it just didn't match up with TCU. But, but you go back, and I'd say ninety plus percent of the issues in that game were, oh, there's two guys in that gap and nobody on the edge gap. The guy bounced it and got a big run, or um, the corner. And we went over this in detail in one of the touchdown throws. Why is the corner playing outside leverage and opening up? If the corner plays inside leverage, which is what his assignment is, and breaks on the ball, that's a pick instead of a touchdown, right? Yeah. Um, if, if, and we also had some examples of guys doing a really good job. Eddie Heckard's interception, we went through that play on AFR, and literally every player on the field played perfect leverage and was in the perfect spot, and there wasn't a single receiver open anywhere. Quarterback tried to throw the ball in, and Eddie Heckard picks the ball off. And, and I love that when we talked to Eddie after the game, he's, uh, um, Spencer asked him, uh, tell us about the interception. He goes, well... I just played exactly the way they coached me to. I played inside leverage. I walled him off and forced him outside. Then I carried the route from underneath, and the safety played on top. He tried to throw it in, and I got a pick. And it was almost like, isn't it amazing that when you're where you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to do, that good things happen defensively? So, so the bad news is way too many assignment errors last week and and part of that is they're coming at you quick and you know they're throwing the football and they're getting it off and you're not ready um but it's not like oh tcu's receivers just ran by byu's dbs because they don't have enough speed or they they pushed byu's defensive line off the ball but that wasn't the case in that tcu game you know byu gave them a pick six to start which took momentum um they fumbled the ball when they had a little bit of momentum coming back when byu forced a turnover over their own and and 90 plus percent of the stuff were assignment errors you can fix that. You know, Trevor says, sounds like a lack of coaching. Uh, you know what? This is a big week for the coaches. It's a right. big week for the players to get to get it back together and respond. This has been a resilient team, um, but they didn't. They weren't resilient in the game Saturday. No, they, they got to be they resilient weren't. now in and, week seven. And here's seven. the problem: they've gotten slow starts with errors on the offensive side in three games now. They recovered in one. Yeah. In one. And another, they, that's Arkansas, right? Another, they kind of came back for a while and then pulled the, the other team pulled away at the end. That was Kansas, right? And that was just way too many errors to overcome on the offensive side. And in this one, TCU, way too talented and too good um, to just kind of spot them like BYU did and to start the game off 
with, with a with a pick six again. Yeah. Um, and so they need to come out and start clean against Texas Tech. And and even if they don't come out and just start scoring touchdowns left and right, the offense needs to possess the football a little bit. You need to move the ball. You need to get a few first downs so that when you punt, you force them deep into their own territory. You can't have eight possessions in the first half and have six three and outs, a pick, and, a, and, and one touchdown. No. That just doesn't get it done. Your defense is on the field way too long, and the defense starts to wear down. And when you wear down, you make mental mistakes. Yeah, for me, as I was watching that game, it, just, uh, the re- it was a reality check. Uh, right. Hey, this is what this is. These guys were playing in the national championship game in January. They lost a lot of guys. They replaced a lot of guys. Right. They don't have bad recruiting classes. This is the level. And, and TCU, you know, was sitting next to us in the standings. This is where these, these teams are. Yeah. And, and Saturday night, we're going to see a bunch of athletes out there playing for Texas Tech. Yeah. And it's, it always is interesting. So Trevor says, sounds like lack of coaching. Yeah. Well, what about what about the coaching in the Cincinnati game? Did they just coach good for Cincinnati, but they were terrible this week? Sometimes there's situations in the games where the kids have mental lapses. I, I'm telling you right now, some of this makes you, the mistakes you saw, I watch them practice and watch them coach those kids to do that over and over again. Yeah. Now, coaches always come out and say, hey, that's on us. We got to get through to them. But, but the fact of the matter is, whether you're, players know that they've been coached up and they're supposed to go out and execute, and sometimes players don't. And, and when they don't, and the wheels fall off, sometimes they really fall off, especially against good teams. It's yeah, like, for sure. wait a minute, has Lincoln Riley been terrible at coaching all year long? Because he certainly got out coached against Notre Dame. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. your game plan's not great. And Lincoln Riley is a great coach, and USC is a good football team. Watch not, you. not Saturday night. No, they weren't Saturday night, and yeah. they got they got whomped by Notre Dame. And and so we don't go, man, What about? this sounds like a lack of coaching from Lincoln Riley. No, but I get the comment because we talked about it even on AFR. This is... This is a big week for the coaches right. to regroup the troops and go back over all those things. Can they, can they re-engage them? Because the thing that they have to do is um, they've got to point out what we're talking about. They've got to go to the guys and say, hey, look it. guy didn't run by you. you got plenty of speed to make this play. Your leverage is wrong. you got to play inside leverage on this. Now, you, I need you in the film room more this week because you got to be in the right spots. right? They, they need to communicate with these players so the players can understand Hey, you can compete at this level, but you got to be where you're supposed to be every time with confidence and playing full speed. Let's let's listen to the head coach. Before we go there, uh, uh, Lancey says, hey, wise guys, how about a shout out to from South Salt Lake? Yes. You get your shout out. You get you, you get on the stream. We're giving you a shout out uh, as best we can. So, Lancey, thanks for for watching us tonight. Here's Kalani Sataki's thoughts as uh, he closes the book on TCU and and begins the week-long game plan for Texas Tech. couple of minutes with Kalani right here. All right, uh, new week. Um, game at home, so we're excited about that, homecoming. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, going off of the post game from last week, you were able to watch the film and, and uh, you know, looking back at the game, um, I'll just address this, that TCU, they played their best game of the year, and we didn't play our best game of the year. And, uh, I've, I've, I think you guys have heard me say this over and over again that my goal is to get us to perform at our best every week, regardless of the opponent. Um, but when you play in this conference and you play against really good teams, uh, if they're playing at, at a high level and you're not matching that, you, you have no chance. And that's, that was a result for this, this game. Still a lot of things for us to learn from and to get better. And uh, just uh, disappointing that, that I wasn't able to get the, the guys to play at our best in all three phases. And so we're going to have to 
uh, evaluate everything and, and uh, see see what factors we can improve on. And, um, you know, I think the sense of urgency for us to get better quickly is even more now and pretty evident on some places that we can we can uh, address and things that we can control. And so we'll, we'll be working on that. Uh, I've already been working on it, but we'll, we'll try to get that all done by the time we get to Saturday and, and um, by then uh, perf- perform at our best. That's the goal. Um, going against a really good Texas Tech game uh, team, um, well coached. Joey McGuire is a, a legend in, in the state of Texas in coaching, and and uh, he's he's done an amazing job putting together a really good staff. I know pretty much everybody on their on their staff, and uh, they all have great reputations as coaches and uh, as recruiters. And so you're looking at their team, talented team with. Uh, start on the defense is just a really big defense. Uh, I, I think this is the biggest defensive backfield I've, I've seen in, in college football. Um, but they can run and they're strong and they're physical. And then you look at the, the, the front seven, um, well coached, and they get after the quarterback. And so um, it's, it's, it's a tough task. Uh, our, our offense is going to have to figure it out and find ways to get points on the board um, and, and utilize our strengths. And then on the defensive side, you see what they can do. They can run the ball. I know they've had some. Uh, some bad luck with injuries at quarterbacks. I, I've been through that before, but uh, they have very capable players and a, a strong O-line. So um, looking at, at, at the matchup, uh, they're going to be difficult, but we have to be at our best to even have a, a chance in this game, and that's that's the plan. And then, um, you know, looking at the team, we, we've got some, some adjustments to make, but uh, I still like the guys. I, just, I still feel good about the team, the culture, the, the, the leadership. We'll keep building on that and uh, keep moving forward with a positive outlook and uh, try to get ourselves ready where we we can play at our best this weekend against Texas Tech. So So I was in the football office on Monday uh, as we were interviewing Keanu Hill for game day, which you'll see on Saturday. And and Kalani goes walking by me, and then he a minute later he comes walking past again. And I go, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Had to get a shave before I went out and addressed the media." I said, "Well, good luck out there." You you heard those first words out of his mouth. He said, uh, "We're at home, happy to be home." I don't know if he said we're happy to be playing at night, yeah, but should, we will that, say that. There's just something about it, right? Nineteen and one in their last twenty night games. Nineteen and one. And 16-1 and one in their last 17 home games at night. Kickoff's at 5. It's going to be dark before so 7. So they just got to hang on until halftime, right? hang on. Just hang on. Then the bats can come out and, you yeah, know, and he, and we're he mentions this, this Texas Tech team, remember at the beginning of the year, Dave, you and I are like, hey, this team could compete. They really finished strong last year, and they had 14 returning starters. But as, as Kalani said, he says, hey, they've had some struggles at quarterback and with injuries, and he can relate. Kalani's been through that, right? And, and it's such an important position. They, they had Tyler Show coming back uh, to engineer this offense, a fifth-year senior. And, and this is an offense that was one of the top offenses in the yeah. entire country last year. And, and yeah, their, back, their backup was, was, was fine um, and, and Morton, but that's not the same as having your fifth-year senior quarterback back there. No. And, and now, if Morton can't play, Jake Strong's a really talented freshman. But that's really not the same as having Tyler Show at quarterback who's run this offense and understands it and just picks defenses apart. And, and that's really the reason they're not performing at the level. It's because the quarterback position isn't, isn't who they thought it was going to be. And so that's been a, a little bit of a rough blow. But that doesn't take away from how good they are at the running back position, how good they are up front. Got a lot of guys back on the defensive side. Their defensive line is, is really physical, really capable getting pressure on the quarterback. So, so yeah, so this is, this is a big challenge. It'll be fun. And, th- and BYU's got to make some, some, some adjustments 
I think especially on the on the offensive side of the ball, and we talked about it, with this big physical secondary that Kalani talks about, they got to get some quick passing game going yeah, early to sure. get some completions, and that will make things different. Before we bring in Brian McKenzie uh, tonight, to show you the uniforms the Cougars are going to wear on homecoming Saturday night. They're going to go with the white helmets, the royal tops, white pants with the royal trim. First time they've worn this configuration since uh, Louisiana Tech during the COVID season of 2020. The weather is going to be outstanding. High of 74, sunny, low of 50. So for a football game between 5 and 8.15 p.m., that's fantastic. No flyover. We visited with Dang it. our friend Clark uh, Heyman from the Air Force. Um, and uh, the situation overseas has got the yeah. the, I mean, the, we, the planes we with other plans. We understand, but I get goosebumps every time there's a flyover. I know. I love it. I just love them. Hey, plan to be with us. Speaking of game day, uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time, 3 Mountain, BYU Sports Nation game day. And we're going to show you the graphic here in just a sec. School president Shane Reese is going to join us. So will yeah. Lloyd Hill, the father of BYU receiver Keanu Hill. DJ, you're going to put that up. Um, and a member of the Texas Tech Hall of Fame. Our coverage is going to start at... Um, Again, 5 o'clock Eastern, 3 Mountain. We'll take you right up to kickoff. Maybe we're not going to show you that. Uh, there it is. Um, the game's on FS1 and the live post-game show back on BYU TV as soon as it's over. So it's going to be a, a great Saturday. And I can't remember the last time we had a 5 o'clock local time kick. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I, yeah. we've had 6. And it, it, we've think had 4. That. We've had 7 and 8. Yeah, it, it, really, it really is um, a different kind of time. But that's prime time back on the East Coast, right? Prime time evening game back on the East Coast. So Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, the, the, prob- the problem with an 8-15 kick is it's fine for here in California and Hawaii, but is anybody, is anybody really watching that game back in New York other than Amber? Amber, right? the diehards. Amber's going to stay up and watch it, but not people just clicking through aren't going to watch it. And so... Yeah, I, I like guest. him to be 5 o'clock or earlier. Our guest tonight's a blast from the past, but he's got much to do with the present. And the future of BYU football, he ran the ball for the Cougars in 1996 and 1997. After arriving as a junior college All-American, he and his wife, Salote, who ran track at BYU, have twin boys in the program. It's our pleasure to welcome Brian McKenzie to the Wise Guys. Brian, thanks for joining us tonight. How's everybody? Everybody's good. Everybody's good. Marcus is a freshman on the team. He's a defensive back. But he has become must-see TV as a gunner on special teams. Dominic will be a freshman when he returns home from his church mission. So let's start with Elder McKenzie. How's he doing, and what's his timetable for being at BYU? Well, uh, Dominic is doing really good. He's loving his mission out in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we talk to him every Monday. Uh, we do a video chat. Um, his timetable: he will be home January third. So he'll be ready. He'll be involved in spring ball and that's that's probably enough time that he could get out there and contribute next fall then right he's and and he played uh well they both played on both sides of the ball at some point but the plans for him are to play on the offensive side he's a six foot blazing speedster just like just like his brother just like his mom right and and uh he had 1700 receiving yards his senior year in high school what's your expectations for him early like, do you expect him to contribute next year? And what's his long-term? Uh, is, is it going to settle in at a wide receiver spot and be a big-time player? You know, uh, Dom's attitude, he'll play wherever the coaches want him to play. Uh, obviously, he likes to play wide receiver. Um, 
yeah, all about how his body feels when he gets back. You know, he's so anxious to get back and get in shape. He's talking more about, you know, uh, his expectations or what he likes to do on the field. Because Dom is more of a this type of person. He likes to study. He's like to study his opponents. He's like to study what he's doing. He likes he's perfectionist in what he likes to do. So with Dom, uh, it's all about getting opportunity, going out, getting in shape, uh, running his routes, catching the hundred ball. He's talking about catching so many balls and gets back. So uh, the timetable will be probably much what how Dom feels when he gets back. Marcus went on his mission to Arkansas. He's found a freshman niche on special teams, made some phenomenal plays. Uh, I know he wants to be in that secondary moving forward on the on the defensive side. But what's ahead for Marcus? Marcus, his attitude is uh, he's just happy. <laughs> he has an opportunity to have a D1 scholarship, and uh, he's just a humble kid. Uh, he'll do whatever coach asks him to do uh, with the special teams, uh, whatever part he can play. Um, but he's the same like his brother. He he, he has that, that eager eagerness to go out there and do the best that he can whatever he's doing. Well, he, he was really drawn. He drew so much attention that after a couple of games – Teams started to decide they better double-team the gunner. And he started drawing double-teams on the field. I, I hope that he took that as respect. How did he take that, that he started to get double-teamed? I told him it was respect. Uh, that's a lot of respect for you. You have uh, SEC teams double-teaming you. Everywhere you go, they're double-teaming. Uh, you've made a, a name for yourself and a mark uh, on the field that you're a threat to be working with. And you need to uh, be proud of yourself and be glad that uh, these guys are really doing a scout on you how to try to block you but you know you find a way to get open and, and get down the field and make that tackle former byu running back brian mckenzie's on the wise guys live on youtube facebook twitch wiseguys.com now marcus set the utah state records in the 60 meter and the 200 meter sprints so if you put a 50 dollar bill on the 50 yard line who gets there first marcus or dominic Ooh, that's a good one uh, <laughs> It depends on what the day is because they're, they're like a tenth of a second off each other. Um, and they push each other. They're like uh, the best or worst of enemies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they compete against each other. They keep each other in line. They, they love one another. They, with them two together, it's, it's like the best recipe for molding and shaping a really good athlete into what you want them to be because you're going to push each other. You're going to call them out. And tell the truth about each other, like you, oh, you suck today, or you did really good today. Well, no, you couldn't cover me, or I shut you down. I like that <laughs> attitude that they have against each other. So uh, I, they always push at each other, do the best that they can, or whatever they're doing. Part, part of me, you know, as I think about it, wants to see them both play on the defensive side and have two corners with that kind of speed, mm -hmm. and brothers playing opposite one another. How fun would that be? But but I am actually anxious to see when Dom gets back uh, when they go one-on-ones and they come up against each other in practice. That that could be be pretty fun, too. What, what's your thought, Brian? Would you, would you love to see them both on the same side of the ball, or are you happy that they play on opposite sides of the ball? Uh, I like both sides of the ball. Uh, or I mean, either or. Which one they feel comfortable doing. But having that type of speed on, both, on, uh, on defense is, is crucial. But actually, Dom... Uh, Dom playing offense, um, you know, the speed that he has to have somebody that can really get over the top like that um, is, is crucial, too. So it's like a 50-50 toss-up. Um, but whatever he's comfortable playing, I, I, I 
cheer for both of them wherever they want to play. BYU benefited from Bronco Mendenhall's retirement at Virginia because both the McKenzie boys were committed to the Cavs. Are you surprised by how this has all played out? I am surprised. Uh, but it was their decision on what they wanted to do. I, I support whatever they want to do and what they want to be. Uh, there was never any pressure from uh, me or my wife uh, saying they had to go to BYU or anything like that. I support anything they want to do. But the idea was they loved, they loved what Mendenhall was doing out in Virginia. And it was pretty much their idea of uh, BYU outside of Utah. Yeah. And, and did did BYU being in the Big 12 make a difference to them and, and make them think, hey, you know what, maybe that's not so bad. We stay in state because we're going to be playing in the Big 12. I know part of the draw was Bronco and his program, but also the fact that they were in the ACC. Did the Big 12 come in uh, as a factor when they were considering what to do after Bronco retired? Actually, um the fact it was that uh, that BYU was their second choice if they couldn't go to Virginia. So um, the way you look at it is like it all fit. It all came to to be what it should be, a way it should be playing. Um, it was always about being at BYU. But it was like being at with Bronco outside of BYU. BYU outside of Utah. Uh, they ended up there, but it, it all it all came together right. I mean, we were. I was happy. My yeah. wife was happy that they chose BYU. And good, I didn't want I didn't want to be the one telling them they had to choose BYU. Well the good news is Provo's a lot closer to St. George yeah. than Charlottesville, you know. Uh, how about your wife? What did she uh, how, how how did she want this all to play out? She's with me. Um she her attitude is like we support whatever you want to do or whatever you want to be. And um so with them choosing BYU, it was like, man, it gets being their mom is being close to their kid, her babies and everything. Uh, to me, it's like, man, we get to go to the games. We get to be, in, you know, to go see them, close to them. It, it all worked out. Got a lot of family up there. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it all worked out perfectly, you know. Uh, I'm glad that he came to BYU. And Brian McKenzie's on the Wise Guys. He rushed for 1,954 yards and 23 touchdowns during a 96 and 97 season. At BYU, so boys still trying to make their mark. Ryan made his mark, yeah, um, and is is in the record books. You, you played a, a major role in a three game swing that made program history in 1996. Brian, uh, first on November 23rd, you rushed 23, 23 times for 176 yards at a touchdown in BYU's 37-17 win against Utah. Do you remember? Do you remember that game and what that was like? You just guys seemed to just dominate the line of scrimmage in that one. I do remember that game. Um, matter of fact, I remember the night before that game. Uh, my roommate was James Dye before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night before. And they were interviewing uh, Ron McBride. And they were interviewing Ron McBride. So how are you going to stop stop those running backs that they have? They said, oh, you know, Ronnie Jenkins is about that other guy that they have. The, the other guy. I can't remember the other guy's name. And James Dye was giving me so much. Like, oh, man, that's messed up. He doesn't even know your name. Do you know what you're do about that? I'm like, so <laughs> that whole night I couldn't sleep. Uh, I actually got up that morning and uh, ate breakfast and got on the special teams bus. It went over to the stadium. I got taped up with the special teams. I was out. I was out. It was, it was so freezing cold that morning. I actually was running sprints on the field before they got in. I saw Utah players come in. Um, so we went in. When I went inside, I told Coach uh, LaBelle, I was like, I need to have a spat. 
I need to have, I need my, my shoes to be spattered. So, well, if you're going to spat, you're going to have a black spatter. So, okay. So I got spatted up. So right before we was going to go out, and Adele said, you know what? We're going to run the ball. I'm like, really? We're going to run the ball. So that first play, you ever, if you ever look at that first play, I think I, I take the ball maybe 40 yards down the field. Yes. The yeah. I was hot. I was ready to go. I don't think I, I was numb. I don't think I could feel anything that game. And my, my mentality was, man, we're going to crush these guys today. <laughs> <laughs> I bet McBride yeah. knew your name afterwards. Yeah, he definitely knew it. I knew you and Ronnie after that. It, it's it's funny because people say, um, oh, bulletin board material, does it really have an impact? What you're telling us from that story is yeah. it had an impact on you in your preparation, in your mindset, the way you came out and started that game, all because Ron McBride basically disrespected you before the game. Pretty much. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> That's why coaches cringe when players say stuff. Yeah. To rile up the other team. I remember I remember talking to Norm after that game, and, and you'll remember, Brian, um, you guys just ran it down their throats. Like I, I did I think we only threw twelve balls in that game. I think Sark only threw twelve balls, right? Right. And and uh somebody said to Norm in the post game, um, Norm Chow. I mean, that's so un BYU like. And Norm said, No, I'll tell you what BYU like is. We're going to do whatever the defense can't stop, and we're going to keep doing it until they can stop us, and they could never stop us. Mm. So we just kept running it, and if we were still playing, I'd still be running it. That's what he said <laughs> after the game. What's your thought on that? That's right. You don't go away what works. If it works, if three plays work, you run those three plays all night long. Don't go away from it. I agree. This, I, uh, if it wasn't me, it was running. Uh, Telling the rock and, and carried against him. My attitude was we were going to demolish them that game. And my mindset was I don't think I felt anything until the next day of bruises or anything. I didn't feel anything. My body was numb. My mind was set. I was ready to go. Well, the next game is December 7th in Las Vegas, the first ever WAC championship game. You rushed 17 times for 64 yards and a touchdown in a 28-25 overtime win against Wyoming in a crazy finish in that one and ends with a fan storm in the field. What was that like, uh, night like? That was amazing. Uh, if you ever felt like chills running through your body, like lightning or something, goosebumps all over you, that's what that felt like. Uh, that that game was it, it was so amazing. Uh, I think I, I scored the only touchdown that game. And um, I remember uh, Norm Child. Uh, leaning over to me, hey, we're going to need you for the rest of the game, so let's keep it going, you know, and talking to Ronnie and, you know, talking to other guys like, man, we really got to put, we got to put our best foot forward and, and win this game, man. Uh, but after, you know, winning that game, it, it felt so good. It felt really good to be a whack, to be the first whack championship game we played. Yeah, Hello, that that was a, that was a, a quite an ending to that game, and then we're going to take you to one of the most memorable games in BYU football history, um, the only New Year's Day bowl that BYU's ever played in on January first, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, BYU um, goes to the Cotton Bowl against Kansas State. Kansas State comes in there with one of the top ranked defenses in the country, uh, and is a favorite. Uh, you run you just nine nine times, nine carries for seventeen yards. 
a low-scoring 1915 Cougar victory. The win gives BYU its most wins in a single season in school history with 14. You guys go 14-1 and come out of there uh, with a top-five national ranking. What was that whole experience like? So I think before that game started, uh, uh, I think it was college game day. It was Lee Corso and I think Kirk Kirksey. They were talking about uh, the bowl games and who's going to win those games. And um, they got to us and, uh, you know, uh, Lee Corso, oh, Kansas State's going to win that game. Was, uh, Kansas State's going to win that game. So <laughs> once again, they put another fire in me. It was like, man, they give us no respect from where we go. So we always got to get respect. Uh, so going out in that game, uh, <clears throat> Sark uh, tossing the ball and uh, getting touchdowns. Um, and, and James Dice, I think James Dice scored that game. Uh, but the, the key the key part of that game was uh, Omar Morgan making an interception at the end of the game that sealed the, uh, yeah. sealed the game. Yeah. That, that was a great – people always ask me about, you know – BYU's corners historically, and, and I still go back and say, if, you, if we're going to talk about the pair, like both corners, you'd have a hard time having a better starting corner tandem than Tim McTire and Omar Morgan. And you've watched BYU since you played and, and up till now. Would you concur with that? Is, does anybody match up with those two guys you played with at corner? It's, it's really hard to say because those guys are really good. I mean, uh, Omar can really cover, but Tim was so physical. I mean, physical and can cover. Um, I, I mean, it's it's hard to say because that, it's hard to to match somebody up to those guys. There was really good guys there. Couple more questions. I'll oh, go ahead, Ryan. And even having uh, Chris Ellison in that safety was really yeah. good. Yeah, that was a phys- that was a that was- physical secondary because Chris would come smack you. Tim was an enforcer out there. Omar with that speed and his ability to cover and take a guy away in one one on one coverage. It was really really physical group in the back end and and uh, and that group of linebackers ran to the football like no other. That was a heck of a defense in '96. Brad Martin, Shay Milbrook. Yeah, Milbrook was a tackling machine. Oh, <laughs> and we had like the, the two best tight ends in the country that year. The Tula Media and Chad Lewis. Yeah. I mean, oh, that, was, that was a dream team. I don't know if there's a, a three-game swing more meaningful right. than those three. One, you stick it to the Utes, and then you win the first-ever WAC championship game, uh, and then you go to a New Year's Day Bowl for yeah. the first time in school history. That That's a, that's a trifecta that you were right in the middle of. But let me ask you this, and, and I want you to be honest, because on The Wise Guys, we expect honest answers from everybody. But that, that huddle you're in, you're looking at your quarterback, Steve Sarkeesian, um, <laughs> during that season. And can you believe he's the head coach of the University of Texas as you look back in that huddle and see this guy looking back at you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Steve Steve knew all his first – this is the crazy thing. We're in practice. We're in practice, and we're, we're lining up to run a play, and Steve's looking around and everything. And he's like, hey, man, get him out of here. He's not going to start. He knew all his personnel, who was there, who was supposed to be at, at all times. So for him to be a head coach right now, uh, and at, actually at the Cosmo, we had a, a Madden tournament, and he won it. He could play with any team and beat you with it. <laughs> <laughs> he won Madden. He was strategizing on Madden back in the That was what prepared him uh, for his success. Well, think about Cosmo. it. He's got the – it's like the biggest job – in all of college football, yeah. maybe maybe Alabama's number two, maybe USC's close by. 
or maybe Alabama might be one. I don't know. But Texas yeah. is right there, and, and you got a BYU guy who's the head coach. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Socks a stud. He's always been a stud. Yeah, we're going to deal with him in about yeah, a week and a half. Yeah, we're going to deal with him. Yeah, not, not this next game. we got one Texas team first from Texas Tech. Your, and then boy, another... your boy is going to try to take down Sark. Yes. How about that, speaking of full circle of life? That's lovely. <laughs> well, before, before they get a chance to go after Sark, and that's in a week and a half, coming up this weekend, um, uh, it, it's Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, you, you follow it pretty closely and, and, you know, you talk, you talk to your boy that's on the team. What does this BYU team need to do to get the running game going? You're an expert in this area. You've been watching it. Their inability to run the football is concerning. What can they do in your mind to get this thing going against Texas Tech this Saturday and run the ball just a little bit? I mean, I know these coaches, uh, you know, uh, Rod and A-Rod and, and Kalani get these guys going, but I mean, I just call my own plays. And the thing about it is, it's like get that push up front and like run downhill, run right at them. Uh, my favorite plays were inside zones, uh, having that cutback lane, getting into the secondary right now, and, and really like splitting that defender in half. Uh, I say running downhill right at them right now, even with a lead block. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'd like to see that too. I, you know, I love the. I, it just seems like not very many teams do that anymore. A few, a few do. Michigan does that, and they're really, really good and effective at it. Like you guys used to get in the eye, you know, with with oh. a with an offset fullback in front of you, put a big old dude up there, get you at that tailback, give you the ball running downhill with a lead blocker in front of you, you know, double double team at the at the line of scrimmage and isolate a linebacker and let that big dude just run over a backer and you cut off that block. What happened to that play in college football? Why do we not see more teams run it? We actually, uh, when, when I play, we actually, if it wasn't another running back, we actually motion a tight end into the backfield. Yeah, there's a few teams that run. I, I, Michigan comes to mind um, because Jim Harbaugh runs, runs a lot of that. Um, you know, Alabama. Yeah, Bama Georgia. runs some of that. Georgia runs some of it. Yeah, well, they'll get they'll, – and, and you're right, Brian. Sometimes it's not traditional fullback like you guys ran, but they'll take that – that second tight end, put him on a wing and motion him over and lead up with that with that big tight end. Yeah, I I'd like to see some of that. I'm with you. I think some downhill, and I think this group of running backs they have, from a skill set perspective, their vision seems to be a little bit better when they're running at the line of scrimmage than running parallel like in an outside zone. Because with the quickness uh, you, uh, you you have with your running backs, you have now uh, running right at them right downhill and having a cutback lane get to the secondary right now. We have it. We have it, especially the lineman coming down a double team to the backer. It's there. We we have the tools to do it. I think we should do it. I, it'd be great to see him do it. We'll call Aaron uh, Roderick and say, hey, this is Brian say, McKenzie. Say, hey, this is Brian. This I got is my the opinion. answer to all your problems. I, <laughs> I, think I, I like exactly uh, what you're saying. Are you ready for five questions, Brian, and we'll get you out of here? Okay, these ones you're just supposed to answer. First thing that pops in your head. And I don't know if you've seen the show before, but, uh, um, yeah, you, you don't, don't even have to think about these. So, your favorite sports movie. I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember the what's name. It of the what's it about? What's it about? So, it's, it's about a sports program and, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Uh, remember the Titans? Program. Program. 
Oh, oh the, the program. program. That's yes. right. Okay. okay. Yeah, we've had a couple. We've had a couple others choose that one as well. The program. Yeah. All right. All yeah. right. Number two. Your favorite singer or band? Oh, Michael Jackson. Michael. You know what? Jackson. Of all these, like we've been doing this for a year and a half now, Brian, and nobody's show, shows Michael Jackson, which is crazy to me. When you say that to me, I'm like, yeah. Of course. Makes sense. I don't know why more people haven't choos- chosen Michael Jackson, of course. Favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, man, Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Now you're speaking my language. Now we're talking. <laughs> those, Fa- those flavors yeah. just blend into one glorious mouthful. And just so you know, we don't tip anybody off, but if they choose a healthy cereal, we just make fun of them because that's not okay. you got to have fruit, fruity, you know, like you got to have Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms or something good. Your favorite BYU memory? Beating Utah, of course. That Utah game, 1996, 37-17. Ran all over them. I call that the cram it down your throat game because yeah, that's, that's what BYU did in that one. Your favorite advice from your beautiful wife? <laughs> listen. Just listen to me. <laughs> you know, know what? I think we've all. Just listen. That is, that, you know what? Yeah, I think we've all had that's, that We've had that advice. Given to my, us. My, my wife will say to me, I don't need you to give me solutions and answers. I just need you to sit there and listen to me. You get that too, Brian? Yes. That's good advice. What's, good your, advice. what's your prediction for Saturday night? My prediction, I, I say we're 28-14. Is that in the first quarter or are you going for the full game on that one? I say that's the first half. So 25, but you're, you got BYU by two touchdowns in this one. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some major adjustments. And BYU are a bunch of vampires. Second half we is going to be at night. You cannot beat night. BYU at night. That's all I know. Hey, so. give you our, our best to Elder McKenzie. We'll see Marcus uh, here later in the week and uh, hope to see up here yeah, as well. Yeah, you guys coming up for the game Saturday? Yes, I am. Great. I will be there. Awesome. Great. Hopefully see you up here. The great Brian McKenzie on Thanks, the Wise Brian. Guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Our pleasure. How about those three big games? What a, what a, what yeah. a run there of beating Utah, winning the WAC championship in Vegas. You, you win that game. You kind of got jilted by the BCS, so they send you to the Cotton Bowl. You really wanted to be in the Fiesta Bowl, I think it was. So they got a, got a job there, and then they, then they go over to the Cotton Bowl, and they beat Kansas State. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Like, when we talk about greatest teams in BYU history, that 96 team always comes up. And it has to. Because of that historic run. But, man, like, and Brian mentioned it, you think about the talent on that team. McKenzie and Ronnie Jenkins at running back. Those are two NFL-caliber guys at running back. Mm. Two NFL, like, longtime NFL tight ends. And two Amelia and Chad Lewis, like pro bowlers. Sarkeesian at quarterback. Very good offensive line. Steve Sarkeesian at quarterback. One of the most efficient guys in the history of the game his senior season. And those two bookend corners. And then I forgot about, you know, you mentioned the Shea Muirbrook and Brad Martin, two tackling machines at linebacker, a really, really good defense. That's a great team. They're right up there. Yeah. Like you, you talk 96, we always talk 83 with Steve Young, that team that beat Missouri in their bowl and finished in the top 10. Um, I think they finished seventh that year. Um, the yeah. national championship team in 84. And then I, I always throw in there 79, 79 80. and 80. Yeah. Um, those those teams with... 81 yeah, was pretty good. Mark Wilson's senior year and Jim McMahon's junior Jim McMahon's junior year in 80. Yeah. That offense, unstoppable in 1980. The glory years. Those were some, those were from some friend years. But 96 weekend. is in that conversation. I Absolutely. think they're top three for sure. Next week on the show, Wally Joyner is going to join us. 
right in the heart of the baseball playoffs. Uh, also, our BYU alumni reps from Austin ahead of the BYU-Texas game. Brandon Doman on Halloween, Austin Colley, Mark Ogletree, and some other great guests coming up in November. Yeah, we got to remind Brandon um, to dress up because it's Halloween. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. We're not going to dress up. You can choose to be in a costume. We're not going to dress That's up, up to but you. we'll tell Brandon to dress up just to see if he will. A couple of big 12 notes, and then we're going to roll out the Cougar Board question of the week. Um, last week in the Big 12, Houston beat West Virginia on a Hail Mary tip ball 41-39. It was a phenomenal finish. Shouldn't have... West Virginia shouldn't have lost that game a whole bunch of different ways, but that's life in this in this well, conference. The score is life in the, in this yeah, conference. Forty one thirty nine. That's why you know people were asking me about last week. It's like, wow, the defense gave up too many points. I I was like, guys, you got better get used to that. Got to score more. You got to score in this league. It's not okay to say, hey, if we can just hold people under twenty one, you're you're gonna lose games if you don't score in the thirties. In this league. Oklahoma State upset number 23, Kansas, 39-32 in a back-and-forth game. There, there you we go. We know Kansas has a decent defense. They gave up 39 points. Right. They're very good defensively, and they gave up 39. That's this league. And then Iowa State beat Cincinnati 30-10. to Cincinnati's been struggling a little bit offensively. But there you go. Iowa State goes, and they score 30. And that, that's considered a low-scoring game in this league, right? <laughs> Defensive struggle. This week in the Big 12, Texas Tech's at BYU. We know that. UCF is at number 6, Oklahoma. Baylor's at Cincinnati. Oklahoma State's at West Virginia. Those are two teams ahead for BYU. Eighth-ranked Texas is at Houston. And TCU's at Kansas that, State. We'll find game. out that's what TCU's That's the game I'm, I'm watching. And if Hoover's a quarterback, let's see if TCU's back. I, I think – I just have this inkling that TCU might be really good down the stretch again. Um, and, you know, I'm keeping my eye on that Oklahoma-UCF game because I realize UCF doesn't have a great record right now, but they have been scoring a lot of points – and, and Oklahoma's acting like they can play D. Like, Oklahoma's been great on offense for a number of years now, but they got the offense rolling, and they're looking really good on defense as yeah, well. Yeah, they do. I'm interested to see. I'm not, I don't question that they're going to win that game, but if they win that thing big and they just shut UCF down, I'm going to be all on board with Oklahoma. I got the Cougar Board question of the week right here. And listening, if you're listening on the podcast, that's yeah, what it is that's right it, that's there. This? Uh, this is it. If you're not familiar with Cougar Board, it's the largest online community of BYU fans. Thousands of posts daily. And this question comes from one of their insider subscribers named PJ Moore. Now, I'll ask the question. You give the answer. Yeah. Does that sound yeah. good? Here's PJ Moore's question. The red shirt rules. We talked about this on After Further Review. The red shirt rules allow players to play in four games without losing their red shirt ability. With six games left and needing two wins to get bowl eligible are there players that are red shirting that could help BYU win games if so would you plan on playing them this week against Texas Tech because it appears on paper to be more winnable than Oklahoma or at West Virginia or Oklahoma State would you just wait for the last four games or would you would you play them now and along those same lines would you who would you have as the backup quarterback this week so there you go yeah so there's multi parts to that so we'll answer it in in all of those parts first um, there's nobody they're redshirting that's going to make a difference in these games. If they were going to make a difference in these games, they wouldn't be redshirting to begin with. So the, the, who they're redshirting, they're redshirting people that are recently returned from missions that are going to be big-time contributors, but Kalani really doesn't want to push them too soon and risk injury. Yeah. So, so And he'll play them maybe down the, the last four games because they've had a little bit longer to prepare and get ready. But 
But in recent years, well, not just in recent years, in the long haul, we've had a really bad track record of players playing right back off of their missions and staying injury-free. So some just didn't get back early enough. You know, we talked about Dom um, coming back, Brian's boy Dom McKenzie coming back in January. Get back on January 3rd. You nine pro- months. You're probably okay to play by August. You have a spring ball, a whole summer, you're probably yeah. okay. You come back in the summer, which a lot of these guys that are registering did, you really shouldn't be playing. And that's the key. And he may not even play those kids in the last four games. He's not worried about getting them. He's worried about getting them healthy and having them contribute in the long term. So there's that group. Okay. Um, there's the, like, let's talk about the quarterback situation at the same time that we're addressing that second part of the question. Um, who would be the backup? Well, the way they've got it arranged right now is Jake Ratzliff is the guy that I think could win games for him right now, but they really want to redshirt him. He's, he's the number one rated junior college quarterback in the country. Um, he has three years to play too, so he has a redshirt year. They would really like to redshirt him and have him be a junior next year. Um, and 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 if they do have him be a junior, so he can play two years, that that's ideal. If if Keaton were have been injured early this season, or even maybe in this game where there's a full half a season left to play, yeah. then they're likely to put Jake in and just say you just had the rest of the year. Let's go. Yeah, that that's enough six or seven games to to be worth it. The further it gets in the season, now remember, now they're right on the borderline where, oh, wait a minute here. If we can just hold off two more games, he can play in the last four and still redshirt, right? right. So they're right on that tightrope line with Ratzliff to, to be able to redshirt him. If Keaton had gotten hurt three games ago, you would have seen Jake Ratzliff. Now they might go, well, Cade's right there. Cade Finnegan's right there. So let's just play Cade. We get Jake to the last four games and we don't risk that redshirt year. Um so that's kind of the situation with the quarterbacks. They sure. believe in they believe in Ratzliff as a guy that can play, big time playmaker, can run around, can throw the ball on the run, creates all kinds of problems with his feet. And Kate Finnegan's a guy that can just flat out spin the ball, transfer from Boise State. And they really love Ryder Burton, who's who's the freshman in the program that they recruited out of Springville. They mm-hmm. think Ryder Burton is a big time player. They like him like they like Zach Wilson when they brought him into the program. And you don't really play him because He's just learning, and you want to have four years for him to go moving forward. So um, the bottom line is if a player was good enough to contribute in these games that are tough, tough games or games that are winnable that may come down to the wire, you will already be playing them. They're, they're red-shirting because you want to keep them for the next year, and they're not, they're not in that first one or two uh, coming into the fall. So you hold them off to the last four games. And what game are they most likely to play in? If Oklahoma is as good as, uh, is, is as we think they are and BYU's down, they may have an opportunity to play more in a game that's a yeah. runaway for Oklahoma or Texas than they are in a game that's compete, uh, contested like this Texas Tech one should be. All right, that's the Cougar Board question of the week. Look for us. We'll be on Cougar Board uh, with some of our material uh, quite often as, uh, as we move uh, into the future, and we're excited about that. Um, good question. A lot of people are thinking yeah. about that. Howard from Anchorage, Alaska is in with us. Uh, Bill from Colorado. And uh, Steve just checking in from Olympia, Washington. Wise Guys is all over the place. Yep, it's awesome. We love it. We love that you're following us and joining us uh, from all over the country and all over the world, really. And so let's look at the Cougars in the NFL. And uh, Zach Wilson, by the way, represent the Jets here. Uh, 19 of 33, 186 yards, didn't throw any picks, rushed for 15 yards. 
beat the Philadelphia Eagles 20 to 14. Don't don't even get me started on people saying the defense beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Zach had to get them down the field. They kicked some field goals. The Eagles were undefeated. They're really good. Uh, that, that is a huge is win. A menace. That defensive front is as good as there is in football. And he was, you know what? Zach wasn't perfect. No one was. And uh, you know what? He, you know what? he was better than uh, Jalen Hurts on Sunday. That's well, from, what he was. From, from a passer rating perspective, he's been better than the last four quarterbacks they've played. Yeah. Including so, Patrick Mahomes, which so is nuts. I'm hoping he can just relax and keep playing. Their schedule's going to get a little easier and go win some games and and uh, and and you know what? Do your best. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back next year. Maybe fact, you'll try back now the end of this season. talk at the end of the year after Thanksgiving. We'll do see. your job. When Rodgers comes back, so be it. But um, have a good time. Sling it around. He's, he has been much better at taking care of them. The big problem with him last year was he was forcing the ball into places that he shouldn't have forced it into and causing turnovers yeah. and costing the team. And he has been much smarter with the football. He took care of the ball in that game. Philadelphia is arguably the best defense in the league. They certainly caused the most problem for quarterbacks. And how many drops did the, the Jets receivers have? Way too many Catch drops. Catch the ball. Catch the ball and they probably score more touchdowns. Love. Right? Yeah. And so... I. I think Zach has made huge improvements over last year, and I think that coaching staff knows that, and he's part of why they're winning. You know, they won that game. Yeah, I think you can tell when you watch his post-game interviews or midweek interviews. There's just a little more to Zach. Yeah, uh, having gone through the experience, really having Aaron Rodgers help him in the summer and and in preseason, and having him still close by, um, he's just a little more of a man, and uh, yeah. and seems to be handling. And, and it. they've played one of the toughest schedules in the National Football League up to this point. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, as they go down the stretch, they're going to have games where he's going to complete a lot more balls and throw some touchdowns. Um, they're playing some brutal defenses right now. Hey, two of his wins are the Bills and the Eagles. Yeah, and, and guess they what? lost to the Chiefs. And, and, By three points. And his passer rating was higher than Josh Allen's in that game. His passer rating was higher yeah. than Patrick Mahomes in that game. And his, pa- his passer rating was was higher this last week right. as well. Good for Zach. Taysom Hill, seven receptions for 49 yards. Uh, Saints lost to Houston 20-13. to 13. We had Taysom on BYU Sports Nation uh, in an interview Spencer Linton did after the game. We aired it on Monday. And uh, it's just... Uh, it's good he's still all in, loves the Cougs, knows the life in the Big 12 is going to be a challenge. Yes, it is. And, uh, and he likes his team, though they're not playing great. He needs the ball more. I mean, I'm yeah. not a genius, but I'm saying put him behind center and let him run it more. Yeah. You're, you're, the, you're the Saints, and you're not going anywhere. Give yeah. it to your guys. Seven, seven receptions. But that's but just he's, me. He, needs to, he should have 15 touches a game. Yeah, you know? for sure. No one can tackle him once he gets past the line of scrimmage. Right. Right. All right, this week in the NFL for our Cougs. Yeah, Thursday, the Jags are at the Saints, so we get to see Taysom Hill. How about Danny Sorensen kind of right in season getting reactivated and Jamal Williams all involved in that game? Sione Taki Taki with the Browns at the Colts and Blake Freeland, that's on Sunday. Yeah, also on Sunday, there's a whole list of games on Sunday. The Lions at the Ravens, um, Kyle Van Noy reactivated and back out there playing. Um, and the Falcons with Tyler Algier at the Bucks. Uh, and he got the ball a little more this last mm-hmm. Sunday. I hope that continues. Puka Nakua yeah. and the Rams are home against the Steelers. Um, the Chargers and Michael Davis at the Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid, I thought of course. the Chargers would beat the Cowboys uh, last night, and yeah. they, Dallas squeaked it out. Yep. Chris Brooks and the Dolphins uh, at the Eagles. That's Sunday night football. That's uh, going to be a good game to yeah. watch. Yeah, good one. And then Monday, um, on Monday Night Football, Fred Warner and the 49ers. Best linebacker in all of football. At the Vikings, you got Jaron Hall and Kyrus Tonga uh, with the Vikings. 
Campus notes for BYU. Let's get right to women's soccer. They're now 13-1-3, 6-0-3 in the Big 12. Top drawer has them up to number four in their poll. The coaches poll, they moved up one spot to number seven. They win in Stillwater at Oklahoma State, 3-0. Last night they win in Norman, beat Oklahoma 2-0, third straight shutout. Yeah, they're playing, they're playing great defense. And and this team, when they're, when they're really hitting on all cylinders – I feel like it's the best passing team. They play the most connected of any team in the country. Yeah, they they really, really share the ball and do a great job and, and just such great spacing. And you go watch them play someone and it just looks like two different complete styles. Other teams are pushing pushing the ball up the field and you just don't see them pass the way that BYU passes the ball and shares the ball and gets good shots. It, it's such a polished team. Jen's done a phenomenal job with this team. BYU hosts Central Florida on Monday night at 6 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN+. Plus. It's the regular season finale. Soccer yeah. season is just about over. And if you haven't been to a game at Southfield... And if you can get a ticket. Yeah, it's it's an experience. It's, it is a phenomenal experience. So so the Big 12 standings look like this. Uh, Texas Tech is number one at 7-0-2. Remember, they tied BYU mm-hmm. here. BYU second at 6-0-3. And then TCU, who also tied here, is 6-1-2. So here's the two scenarios for BYU to right. win the Big 12. Yeah, BYU wins the conference with a win against Central Florida and a Texas Tech loss at Iowa State. So that would that would just close it down. Uh, BYU wins the number one seed with a win and a Texas Tech draw. So if Texas Tech has a tie, BYU wins. They're the number one seed in the tournament. And then Texas Tech Tech wins the conference and the number one seed with a win at Iowa State or a tie at Iowa State um, as long as BYU and TCU either lose or tie. So that's all going down this week. Yeah, so I hope you understood all of that. (laughs) Basically, BYU needs to win. And, and TCU needs to tie or lose, and then everything's taken and, care. And Texas Tech's got to lose, and uh, and then they'll be the one seed. And, uh, and, one and or BYU, two seed isn't going to matter. Big favorite uh, at home against Central Florida. Would you not think? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Can you imagine it's so going to be chilly. That part's, long that part's going to happen, and they're going to have to wait on uh, um, on Texas Tech to see what happens with them. Big Twelve tournament they're starts at Iowa State. So yeah, October twenty eighth. So the same day BYU football plays Texas. Uh, the Big 12 soccer tournament begins. Women's volleyball now 16 and 3. They're 5 and 2 in the Big 12, ranked number 9. Yeah. Top 10 top 10 program. Last week they defeated Texas Tech to th- uh, 3-2 on Friday and uh, a sweep 3-0 on Saturday. Five sets Friday night, and then they came out and just smoked yeah, them. Smoked them in, the, in that Saturday night. Um, this week they have Iowa State um, that they're hosting um, Thursday through Friday, or Thursday and Friday, 7 p.m. Uh, mountain time on ESPN plus that's kind of how they've done the, the league in volleyball this year you do like two game home stands like yeah. so a team comes and you play a team back-to-back nights I like it it really saves a lot of dollars and wear and tear on the players the only thing BYU games. didn't like is their 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 two game home stand was or road trip was to Texas yeah that's not easy big 12 standings Texas is number one they're eight no Central Florida's number two they're seven and oh and then BYU's number three at five and two and Central Florida will host the Cougars November 9th and 10th so yeah, here's the question: If if Texas had to come for two game stand at in uh, the Smith Fieldhouse, I like BYU's would, chances. Would BYU be number one? I'd like to think they would. I think they would too. But Texas is a dominant power. We're looking forward to them getting out. Yeah, yeah. Going over there to the so SEC. Good. So cross country news: the Cougars finish second. <laughs> 
behind uh, number one Northern Arizona at the Nutticomb Invitational in Wisconsin. These are the men, ranked number three. Kenneth Rooks finished 31st in his first competition since placing 10th at the World Championships last summer. He was just out for a fun run, getting ready for the Big 12 yeah, Championships. He's just, he's just, he's just sliding cr- along. He's just starting to crank back up a little bit. How about the women's team? Yeah, the women's team, number six in the country, by the way. And that's before, those are the poll numbers before these events. That right. the new they, poll they, they're, 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 you think they're going to move up? I they think should. so. They just won the uh, cross-country 23 pre-nationals invitational at Virginia. Uh, uh, Carmen Alder won the individual title. BYU took the team title ahead of Arkansas, Virginia, Oregon, and 20 other programs. 20 other It's one of the programs. biggest meets in the country, and they just won that thing. Yeah, they are. They're moving. So they're getting going. as we sit today... Women's soccer in the top 10, women's volleyball in the top 10, men's cross country in the top 10, top, top five, uh, women's cross country, top 10, and BYU's four and two, uh, and uh, four and two, if they can get a win Saturday night and get five and two, they're back ahead of schedule with a chance to get a win somewhere and be bowl and, eligible. And by the way, we had them uh, at this point when we were kind of projecting before the season even started. We thought they'd probably be four and two. Now, the one game that we had them switch was we thought that that they would probably lose at Arkansas mm-hmm. and win against Kansas. So that one that was a flop. But we kind of had them. Nobody else had them that though. Nobody no. at BYU at four and two right now. At best, national pundits had them at three and three. Most people had them at two and four right now. Vegas, yeah, they're, they're, Vegas has them at four, four wins for the yeah, whole season. Yeah, four wins to start the season. They had them at four. Now they got them to five. The road is tough. Um, the road is tough ahead, but yes. Saturday night is a winnable game. Men's hoops, there's a lot going on. Big 12 Media Day is tomorrow in Kansas City. Uh, live coverage on BYU TV at 10 o'clock in the morning, Mountain Time, noon Eastern. The preseason poll came out ahead of it. BYU picked 13th. Mm-hmm. UCF is picked 14th. And Kansas is picked number one. Now, does that surprise anybody? And they're also number one in the AP. Yeah, they're number one in the country and also number one in the best conference <laughs> yeah, in the country. Hello, Kansas. Yeah, uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark announced today that starting next year, the Big 12 will have 20 regular season conference games instead of 18. 20. So you'll have 20 conference games. That's two less cream puffs. Yep. And uh, and two more T-bone <sighs> steaks. Yep. Uh, you know, because the four teams are joining yeah. and the two teams are leaving, and so that leaves you with 16 yeah. And so you play more games. Yeah, 20, um, 20 league games. Mm, I wonder if that's the way where we're all heading pretty soon. Yeah, I think so. They won't even be playing anyone but P5s. Playing your league. Yeah, that's possible. But Midnight Madness. You can get a chance if you're around here in the state to uh, get to know the men's and women's team. That's Thursday night uh, at 11 p.m. Mountain Time at the Marriott Center. And it's a, that's a fun event. They make that really, really fun. It's it's a great event to go to if you can stay up late. Yeah, 11 p.m. So that's right. The blue and white game, you and I will be there uh, for that, and we'll bring that to you live on BYU TV October 26th at 7 p.m. That'll be a fun one to look in and see what hand. Yeah, give, uh, give you a chance to, to see the teams, yeah. Exhibition openers November 1, also on BYU TV. And then we're going to move all our stuff to ESPN Plus for the season opener with Houston Christian on November 6th. That's just my goodness, we're, it's October 17th. We're, we're just a couple of weeks away from all this stuff. The men's preseason top 25 poll is out, and we thought we'd mention a few notables. We yeah. already mentioned Kansas. Kansas is number one. BYU's at Kansas on February 27th. Houston uh, comes in at number seven in the preseason poll. They're at BYU on January 23rd. 
San Diego State is in at number 17. Remember, they were in the championship game last year. Yeah. Uh, they are at BYU on November 10th, and we'll have that yeah, call. Yeah, you and I will have that game. That'll be a fun one. So uh, Texas comes in at number 18. Uh, Texas is at BYU on January 27th. And then Baylor's in at number 20 in the top 25, and BYU's in Waco on January 9th, and the Bears are at BYU yeah. on February 20th. So the uh, fun thing is all of these ranked teams – with the exception of Kansas, because BYU only plays them once at their place. But the rest of that ranked um, list right there, all will be in the Marriott Center. You know, and it doesn't hurt my feelings that B, that Kansas, Houston, and Texas, BYU only plays once. Right. Even though it's at their place, at least uh, well, Texas Houston's and, coming to BYU, but Texas and Kansas, and Kansas are at their place. But, but it's not two. And you know what? I'm okay with that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So Texas is the only one of these preseason ranked teams that won't be in the Marriott Center. Baylor, they have a home and home with. So, and, and Baylor may surprise some people. They're, they're always good. Don't they're be surprised if Baylor works their way good. in the top 10. Yeah. Houston last year, they get a bunch of guys back. I'm watching them. I'm like, these look like a bunch of NBA guys. I had them going in the, the final yeah, I, four. I, I w- that was a big disappointment that they didn't go to the final four. So, yeah. uh, Women's hoops, Big 12 Media Day today in Kansas City. Um, they have their exhibition opener November 1st um, against Westminster. That's 3 p.m. That's going to be on BYU TV. And then their season opener is at Montana State on November 7th. No, no TV um, for that one. And the home opener is Weber State on November 10th, ESPN Plus. But those ESPN Plus games against Weber State, I'm, I'm pretty certain our BYU TV crew will be the broadcast crew putting that out. On this day, as we roll out of here, a little early tonight, but we had a great visit with Brian McKenzie. Yes. And, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing you Saturday on game day. Um, on this day, on October 17th, before we get to that, let's answer a question here. Uh, yes. BYU Sports Addict says, hey, I, yeah, I, 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 that, I just read this question. And like, I, like, I, I, I need I, to Google that. I heard that the Sports Illustrated models are coming to the Marriott Center this week for homecoming in connection with the Big 12 event. Is that true? Some former models uh, are part of a group that is coming to the Marriott Center, not to model swimsuits. They're part of a... Um, an event tomorrow uh, as part of homecoming. Um, and they're, they're, they're a, there's a larger group involved, and they're talking about, and, and I think you might be looking it up, and there's more yeah. information at byucougars.com, but they're, they're talking about um, it's a the, women's the empowerment advancement event, of women's yeah. empowerment, and uh, both in academics and athletics and, and, and all of that stuff. And so there's a couple, I believe, panelists who, who uh, yes, um, so, so like swimsuit what models. seemed like a crazy question. For and I don't BYU mean to fumble addict, through that, but I'm just trying to remember what I read. It, about it's it. not that crazy. Like it's not that crazy a question. BYU sports addict. So, so here's what it says. B, BYU athletics and the big 12 conference will be holding a women's empowerment event during BYU's homecoming week on Thursday, October 19th, Thursday from, from or, yeah, Thursday, October 19th from 10 AM to 2 PM on the Marriott center floor. Um, and so it's a women's empowerment event. Um, and, it says all women in the BYU campus community, including students, faculty, and staff, are invited to attend. The event's focus is on uh, is an extension of BYU's homecoming theme this year, which is uh, "Lean Into Light." So, so we're glad we we're able to answer yeah, that. Highlighting the opportunity to come together as women from inside and outside of BYU, as well as inside and outside of what might be our typical circles of influence. The specific event is branded as "Lean Into Light Together." So there you go. And I believe, and you may have just mentioned already, the um, Young Women's General President 
I believe is coming uh, from the church. It'll be part of that uh, part of that group. Um, if not, it's the Relief Society president. Should be a paddle, panel discussion. Maybelline is sponsoring a big uh, big thing yeah. there. So there you go. So that is Thursday as part of homecoming. There's a and lot they're, of they're homecoming. They're going to have a big focus. The thing that Sports Illustrated is doing, they have a whole thing on women's mental health. So there you go. There you go. So that's a great question, uh, BYU Sports Addict. That's that was news to us. But you broke it. And we looked it up, and yeah. we we. I'm glad you found that because I, I knew it was coming, but I, I just was vaguely paraphrasing in my yeah, head. There you go. On this day, October 17th, in the world in which we live, 1885. Baseball sets all salaries at one thousand to two thousand dollars for the night for the eighteen eighty five season. So I was going to do the math, and I wasn't what, quite what, sure. What but is I that think, in today's dollars? Yeah, I think uh, Aaron Judge makes so much more than that with every at bat. But that was the season salary. But, but I'm wondering what two thousand because when my mom and dad would tell me. Yeah, this house that you grew up in, we bought for $7,500. Our payment, including taxes, was $74 a month. Like, but but salaries, and we're talk, talking back in the 50s, you know, $10,000 a year was an incredible salary. So I don't know, 1000 to 2000 1885 might have been a bunch of money. I just uh, Googled, Aaron Judge makes over $70,000 per at-bat. Oh, man. Per at-bat. What, and what's his batting average? So and he only succeeds like one out of... Three times. I don't know, but he hits a lot of home runs. Yeah, he sure does. He hits a lot of home runs. He had 570 at-bats this last season. He made 70 grand for every yeah. at-bat. So that's a different world than 1885. So what about 1888? The Cubs weren't any good either back yeah. then. What about 1888? Thomas Edison, the great inventor, he files a patent for the optical phonograph. That's that's the first movie-making apparatus. We needed that. Yes, we to did. To get to where we are today. Yes, we did. 1962, the Beatles make their first television appearance on Manchester's People and Places program. That's like them coming on Wise Guys. Love, love and me, And they do. sang, love me, do. Yeah. Um, in 1963, the Beatles record, I Want to Hold Your Hand at EMI Studios in London. I remember that was my favorite song in elementary I school. I want to hold your hand. I think fourth grade is when. Were you singing that to the little girls and saying. To the ladies yeah. at, re at recess? Yeah. No. Mm. 1979, but I have a feeling you might have been. Mother no. Teresa of Calcutta is awarded the Nobel Peace Prize on this day, 1979. <laughs> right. And how about this one? We all remember this one. Yeah, 1989. The earthquake hits the Bay Area during the World Series and Game 3 was postponed. That was tonight. Was like, yeah, that was... Remember that? Yeah. Shut down the World Series. And remember, it was it was a Bay Area World Series. It was the Giants, Giants in, the, in the A's, A's. right? And uh, there was a lot, a lot of... So much damage, and, and there were a number of people who were killed. Yeah, it was terrible. The um, bridges collapsed down, those multi-level And I remember hearing the announcers. I think it might have been Al Michaels, but I remember someone saying, I think we just had an earthquake, and that yeah. was the start of... Crazy. They got rid of, you know, and they finished the series eventually, but, um, uh, yeah, that was on this night in 1989. Jonathan, yeah. by the way, saying, Dave Blaine, sorry I'm late, but I made it. Shout out from Henderson, Thanks, Nevada. Thanks, Jonathan, for being here. Uh, we have a little shorter show tonight, but you can go, you can go ne never fear, it. Jonathan, you can go back and it's the beauty of YouTube. watch the whole thing and, and, or, you know, if, if you don't have time to watch it, but you go on a long bike ride, then just download the podcast tomorrow, put your AirPods in and go for a ride and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. So 2007 on this day, the Dalai Lama receives the United States Congressional Gold Medal. 
we're going to hear from the Dalai Lama in a moment. 2008. He's not going to come on. No. Because no. he's already passed. Yeah, but. but if we had him on, that would be something. That would be something. You talk uh, about ratings. Iran's attempt to create the world's largest sandwich, uh, 1,500 meters, fall, it falls short. Because the crowd eats it before it can get measured, so they're doing this. Hey, let's 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 get the world's largest sandwich before they can measure it. It's like, guys, it's you're not eating me. the sandwich. Like, come on, couldn't you just have waited? Every, <laughs> so, well, you know what? It takes a lot to build a sandwich that big. People got hungry, uh, apparently, and they did not they set did the not record get, because yeah. they ate no, the sandwich because the the standards are high. Come on, um, at, at the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> so, okay, October seventeenth birthdays. In 1914, Jerry Siegel. You're like, Jerry Siegel? Who's that? Yeah, who's Jerry Siegel? Well, he just happened to create Superman in the yeah. comic books. So 1914. That day he goes, you know what let's do? Let's come up with yeah. Let's come up with a man. We'll call him Superman. He's have him he fly could be around. from another planet. And, then, and now look at that. what that franchise has done today. Yeah, and, but we got to have something that's his Achilles heel. Let's make it kryptonite. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> 1924, Don Coriel, football coach, was born this day. He had a lot to do with the development of the passing game at the pro level. Remember, he yeah. was at the Chargers and Dan Fouts and, and those and, guys and were throwing everywhere. And also San Diego State. And San Diego State. That's right. Yeah. So 1938, I re, I, I, this guy was born. I remember when he did what we're going to talk about, but yeah. Evil Knievel. Re, remember when he jumped over Snake River Canyon and didn't really make it? I remember I remember that, but he made it more than he made he the fountains he, at Caesar's yeah, Palace. Caesar's Palace. He, he, he I think he missed the landing and crashed and he didn't, cr he got over the fountains, but I think he, um, he didn't break every bone in his body, but there was a tremendous number. Yeah. And that's when you're just like, Hey, evil Knievel. What, is he, what are you doing? Evil daredevil. The thing of the snake TV. river was like anti-class. It's like, that's not a motorcycle. He's trying to jump the snake river Canyon in a rocket he ship. Looked like a rocket with ship. a parachute. Well, on he it. was on a motorcycle in Vegas and it didn't yes, work out was. for him. Lesson to everyone. 1972. Don't jump the fountains. 1972. I, put, I figured you'd like this you, one. Because this is, this is one of my guys, Eminem. Eminem, born in 1972. If you only got one shot, just one opportunity. I actually like that song. Yeah. Uh, half of it I don't quite understand what he's saying. Sweater but, already. But I, but I do. Our wise guy's inspirational quote of the week comes from Dalai Lama. Uh, dang it, I thought it was going to be Eminem. <laughs> no, if we couldn't. A, a little more classy. Yeah. It's the we Dalai Lama. The Lama. It's in, and Dalai Lama says, give the ones you love wings to fly, roots to come back, and reasons to stay. Isn't that great? That's a great quote. Lo give uh, you your know loved what? ones wings to fly, roots to come back, and then a reason to stay. Eminem's come up with some good stuff, but nothing like that. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. I remember that the great scene in Caddyshack, uh, the PG version, uh, when Bill Murray's talking to the one of the caddies and and he talks about when he met the dalai yeah. lama in golf met the dalai lama himself big hitter the lama and, and flowing robes stiffed him on the tip but he gave him uh what do he say but. he says hey lama how about a little something for the effort <laughs> he goes, and, I, then, I, and then he goes and the lama says to me um <laughs> there will be no there will be no money no but on your deathbed when you die you'll receive you will receive total consciousness so i got that going for me which is which nice. is nice and how many times in life have we finished some kind of comment with, which is Got nice. Got that going for me. <laughs> which is which nice. Is, which is nice. So I have to tell you, that movie came out when I was at BYU. And Jim McMahon and, and, and Danny Plater used to pull me aside and go, man, we're having a bad day. Do the Bill Murray Dalai Lama thing. And I would have to <laughs> recite the, the, the big hitter of the Lama. He hits the ball first tee and uh, he hits into a 2,000 foot crevice. And he's like, hey, caddy, 
Go get that. <laughs> so I jock for the llama. You know, I carry around. I give him, I give him good effort, 18 holes. And afterwards I say, uh, hey, uh, llama, how about a little something for the effort? <laughs> <laughs> the other classic Bill Murray line is is when the reverend is wanting to play oh. on his storm and it's just coming down and Bill Murray looks up there and goes, I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. <laughs> no, my favorite, my favorite line is the Chevy Chase line because I use this one on people. And when, uh, when the judge, Smales, says, um, hey, you know, uh, Dr. Bieber's been club champion three years in a row and I'm no slouch. And Chevy Chase says to him, don't sell yourself short, judge. You're a tremendous slouch. <laughs> I, I, like, I like when... Uh, when he's trying to rope him into that competition. He, oh, your dad and I were both. Judge, my dad never liked never you. Liked you. <laughs> Those are some good ones. Bill Collins says, the offensive line needs to strike first on Saturday night. Yes, it does. Do you know what? And Bill, here's the thing. You know what Brian McKenzie talked about? I like that. Brian says, I like to run inside downhill, let the linemen go downhill and attack, double team and get to the second level, and let me run downhill and get on those safeties and run over people and make people miss. Yeah, I like that style. I like that idea. I I, like and that. I agree with you, Bill. They need to strike first. Play on the other side of the line of scrimmage in this one. Brian McKenzie was awesome. Thanks, Brian, for joining us. Next week, we will review what we see Saturday night, give you our, our opinions about Texas Tech, and then also preview the showdown with Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and also uh, Wally Joyner. Big BYU baseball star, major league baseball player, and one of our friends. He's going to be here in studio with us, and we'll talk. Uh, the, we'll and talk the creator of Wally World, yeah, Wally which was World. the nickname for Anaheim Stadium when Wally was in his heyday. They just called it Wally World when they when they renamed the stadium. Not really rename it, but when the fans rename yeah. it Wally World, you know you're you're getting it done in Major League Baseball. Absolutely. So we're gonna have some great stories uh, next week. Plus, our alumni reps in Austin with all the details on what's going on around Wait, the BYU. Didn't you Texas and I go game. see Wally play against the Rangers one time? We were down doing a game in Texas. Was that you and me together? I don't know. I, I can't remember. I I I think I've been to some of those. I've been to some yeah. games there at Angel Stadium, but I, it's, it's this wild. Was, I thought we I thought we went to Ranger Stadium because the Angels were playing oh. there early, and you and I went and watched because we were on the road doing a game. Could have been. We did, we did a lot yeah. of SMU. We've been, yeah, I think I think that things. I think that that's a thing, right. if I remember right. Should be a thing. Um, Saturday, three o'clock Mountain Time, five o'clock Eastern Time. Game day. Yes. Two hours. We'll be live outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, David Nixon will be there. Brian Logan will be there. Austin Colley is going to join yeah, us again. Join us again. Spencer Linton will be there. Our full crew, The Rock, will be there, and um, we got two hours of countdown coverage. Um, school president will be there. Lloyd Hill, Keanu's dad, the Texas, Texas Tech Hall of Famer. We've been talking to him for a year about coming to be on the show, and he's pumped and ready to go. Uh, my interview with Keanu Hill will also be uh, in that show, and, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. Yep. And the weather's going to be perfect. Make sure you join us, and then come back with us next Tuesday night. We'll Podcast is up tomorrow. Tell your friends, and uh, and yeah, have an awesome week. Let's let's get to 5-2 five and two five and Saturday two. night. Yep. Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. We're the Wise Guys on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, wiseguys.com. Cougar Board, look for us on Cougar Board. We're going to do more stuff with those guys. Let's see you next week.